Says you're good for it. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the fucking money, shithead? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Don't fuck with us. Your wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn. That means you owe money to Jackie Treehorn. Ever thus the deadbeats, Lebowski. No, no, don't do that. Not on the rug, man. See? See what happens, Lebowski? You see what happens? Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Your wife is Bunny. My, my, my wife, Bunny? Do you see a wedding ring on my finger? Does this place look like I'm fucking married? The toilet seat's up, man. This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Stoner bowling movie, period piece, western. Providing insight. Why is the half and half everywhere? It was open. Commentary. Got my half and half in the bowling ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. Did they have bowling in the Old West? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now... Gutterballs. Ever thus to deadbeats. <laughs> what? What is it? Now, t- because uh, I played that so many times trying to figure out what Wu actually says. Can you yeah, say that I again? I have no idea. What did, what did you but just say, though? Ever thus to deadbeats. Ever thus the deadbeats? Ever thus to deadbeats. Ever thus to... Really? Is he really that philosophical? That is what I put on the closed captioning, and that's what the closed captioning says. Ever thus to the deadbeats? Ever thus to deadbeats. Two deadbeats. In other words, you're always going to get this treatment because you are a deadbeat. Is that how you interpret it? Well, I think this is what deadbeats will always get. Similar to what the Big Lebowski says, you know... Um, the bums will always lose. Well, right, but for, from a carpet pisser, you wouldn't expect that level of poeticism. I know. Right. Well, so it's a paraphrase of what John Wilkes Booth said when he shot Lincoln. And what did he say? When Semper, he shot Semper, he something. Said death to tyrants. Tyrannus. Right. Death to tyrants. Right. Ever thus to tyrants, or thus always to tyrants, depending on how. You know, I just Googled it, and it kind of, there's a lot of different, you know, it seems like some people are saying it's ever thus the tyrants, some say thus always the tyrants, but... The tyrants yes, will thus always, always lose. to deadbeats. Thus always to deadbeats. This is what will always happen to deadbeats. They will be, they will have their rug pissed upon. Okay, I want to, I want to just pause here, because before we go too far down this path, I think it's awesome. It's not something that's occurred to me. You've clearly done your research. I feel outgunned in this episode already, and we're barely starting. But I want to acknowledge a special guest star that we have on this episode. Uh, His name's David. He's an interior designer. Say hello, David. Hello, everybody. There he is. So, I love my friends, Dave. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, David, for being here. Thank you, thank you. I thought particularly this episode in that it takes place in one of the most intimate environments of the dudes 
abode, his bathroom. It might be apropos to have a interior designer on the show. So there we go. That's the motivation behind that. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now, Brad, where did this come from? Ever thus to dead. How did you? So you were looking at the subtitles. I, I turned on the captioning to see because I was doing the same thing. I listened to a couple like, what is that, right? And you know, it's one of these things where I've watched the movie so many times, and that line, it, like you know, you're like you, you breeze he right over it. Something about deadbeats, and he pisses. Right. Like that's close. Yeah, enough. he's a you deadbeat. Don't need to right. know. You don't need to know exactly what he says. Your mind doesn't even spend too much time trying no. to figure it out. But now that we're, you know, I'm really happy we're going through this in-depth analysis. A deep, you know, giving us a, a chance analysis, to notice these things, if you will, because this is now possibly, you know. Well, you know, all the great other lines in this movie have been quoted so much. Ad this nauseum, is now, like, sure. fresh material. I'm going to now be saying this all the time. Me too. This is, Ever has thus just to entered beats. my lexicon. Ever thus to deadbeats. This is a classic line I can yeah. use in... Right. I can foresee thousands of situations to use this line. Right. And you're right. It does... You, have, you see Wu in a whole new light now. Totally. Completely different light. Well, and he had, he, you know, he kind of looks like an Asian-American, so he's got that sort of Western, or I'm sorry, Eastern philosophy. Is that a, you know, Eastern thing? Far from it, you know? He's got, it's very, it's very, uh, I don't know. It's just philosophical. He's, he's deep now. Hmm. It's, it's poetic. It is. It's a little wordplay, or something, not wordplay, but little now, word dancing. So I thought this dude... Because I played it over and over, trying to figure out. Never once occurred to me to put the captions on, but the best I could come up with was "Never dust the deadbeats." <laughs> In other words, don't take too much time worrying about the deadbeats all around because they're always going to be there. And it's like this is how much we think of you. We don't even dust you. We just pee on your rug. That's the best I could come up with. But that doesn't really make woo into. Something no. more than the sum of his parts. Depending on how you, how you, if you can, you know, hear that line or not. Wow. Completely changes his character. And the whole scene Ever seems thus. weirdly different now that I know that that's what he says. Totally. Jackie Treehorn's in a new light. You know, you, you kind of felt that the blonde haired thug, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you kind of felt that the blonde haired thug was the one in charge. And, like, he had more clout and was the more, whatever, sophisticated. He's not the one peeing, after all. But now it's like Wu is almost like some sort of low-level general in Jackie Treehorn's army or something. He, I mean, he just has a completely different, uh, different style, right? The same thing. He doesn't grab the dude and go run him into the bathroom, shoving his head in the toilet. Right. He just hangs back. He waxes... Poetic he only uses and pees the on the rug. The exact amount of force necessary. The exact amount of urine necessary to get his point across. And he, he's like, I don't need to rough this guy up. I will simply maturate upon his rug. Right. He's the color and, commentary, basically. Yeah. And he had to save that urine up because he knew that. Well, once he entered the apartment, because they were there, obviously, before the dude got home. How long before they got before the dude got home did they arrive? They probably saw him at the bowling alley and said, okay, he's going to bowl, then he's going to go right home so he can have a Caucasian. He usually plays three frames. They probably scoped this 
stuff so out. You think they scoped them out? They, scoped they didn't just out. look them up in the phone book. No, book. they scoped them out. This is Jeffrey. Le- well, they did. They looked them up in the phone book because that's probably where the confusion came in as to which Jeffrey Jeffrey Lebowski it was. But then, once the the uh, mistaken identity thing happened, they probably right. scoped them out because they were waiting there when he came home. And during that time. Wu was looking around saying, now this guy really is a deadbeat. He is nothing. We're not going to get our money out of him, but I am going to hurt this man. And shoving his head in the toilet isn't really going to hurt him because he practically lives with his head in the toilet every day. He, he takes his sunglasses out of the toilet and puts them back on his head without even thinking about it. It's like, how can I hurt this man? I will look around and find something that I feel to be is probably his prized possession, and I will ruin that thing. Because that hurt him way more than having his head shoved in the toilet. Very true, very true. Although, it's the, crux the, of the more movie. They, they scoped this out and thought about they this, the known better. thinking, they known even better. the more strange it is that it takes them until, you know, they look, the lights turn on, right. there's a struggle, there's adrenaline going on, then it takes, oh, let's take a step back. Then you realize in the light, But maybe. oh, wait a minute, this might not be the right guy. But maybe it was just... This was maybe like some sort of like test for the blonde-haired fella. Like Wu kind of figured it out. He's like, okay, yeah, this is stupid. We're not going to get in trouble because this guy's obviously a loser. So we can rough him up, do whatever, pee on his rug. What's he going to do? Call the cops. Good luck. So maybe he kind of figured it out. But the blonde-haired guy is clearly kind of stupid. So he just kind of let, he wanted to see what the blonde-haired fella was going to do. I don't know. Maybe it was a test. Although the blonde-haired dude asks Wu his opinion, you know. What do you think, Wu? So, he could be facing a test, but at the same time, I think it's just Wu is the brains, the blonde-haired guy is the brawn, and that's just the way it rolls. I think it just could be a, a simple. It could be that simple, really. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's the muscle. He's the muscle, because Wu is waxing philosophic back there over the rug while the blonde-haired guy is shoving his head in the toilet. Well, it's just the, con- you know, it's the, the paradox. It's the inherent contradiction of the whole thing that makes it so interesting is that Wu is making such a, you know, uh, interesting poetic statement while at the same time just urinating right. in a man's room on his rug we have the both the uh, kind of base animal action and then also the more highly evolved oh I'm going to quote John Wilkes Booth action all going on at the same time and if you think about who their employer is their employer is Jackie Treehorn now at this point in the film we have no clue who Jackie Treehorn is um, does he even say Jackie Treehorn? He says yeah, Jackie yeah, your wife, wants his money. Right, your wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn, that <laughs> yeah. means you owe money to Jackie. So we don't know who that is. Who's that? That seems like some sort of like thug, like mafia type. But really, later on we learn that the chief of police of Malibu thinks that Jackie Treehorn is a stand-up citizen. Gets a lot of the, you know, high rollers, heavy hitters into town, and he's friends with all the right people, and... It's, uh, it's the dude who's really the scumbag. 
So Jackie Treehorn is sort of the embodiment of that paradox of both high and low class coexisting. So it makes sense that his thugs would be the same way, I guess. Sure. Too, yes. Too much? I agree. Too much? You can tell me. So, all right, I'm, I'm just going to, just moving right along here. Taking it back to the beginning of this clip. He, he's basically pulling the dude's head up out of the toilet. Right. The dude, you know, where's the money, Lebowski? The dude goes, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. Right. <laughs> and this line has always kind of bugged me just a little bit. You know, and even now, you know, really focusing on this minute even more so. And that I just feel like that, one, okay, that's the first thing we hear the dude say. That's our introduction to the dude is that line. Is it too, too blasé considering what's going on? I, I don't think it fits with the dude's character. I mean, he would probably be freaking out. You know, that's what I would think after we learn of the dude. He's a tumbleweed, Brad. He goes with whatever's happening. I don't know. He didn't go with a lot of the action in this movie. He kind of, like, screams like a girl (laughs) or freaks out, you know. I mean, and, you know, to have the the clarity of mind to kind of pull that one-liner... So you, it, it's too much out. of a it's too much of a James Bond esque one liner. You know, you. you need to. I guess you know they wanted to start the movie off strong. They have that line in there, but really, I mean, I think the dude would sound more like I do right now and be like, "Man, I just what? What's the?" But it's a great ooh, line. It's a great. It's a, line. I'm not saying it's not a great line. I just think it does seem like somewhat. Incongruous with the with the rest of the movie. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll be looking out for this as the movie goes. Well, maybe okay. the, maybe this is the way the dude really is. But at, you know, as the movie goes on and everything becomes more intense, the dude breaks down, and loses his shit, as they say. Maybe that's what really. Maybe this is the way the dude really is. He's supposed to take things easy. You know, take her taking her easy for the rest of our us. Sinners. So maybe the dude, maybe he is calm in these situations normally, but he starts stacking everything on top of the dude, and he's going to lose it eventually. Anybody yeah. would. It's a good point. Maybe this is it's the a inc- complex case. A lot of angles. Maybe it's the inciting action that causes the dude to begin to change, because he is. He would just take. He was on the Speed of Sound tour. Okay, I'm sure there are a lot of shit went down on that tour. You know, that was the '80s. It was Metallica. He probably saw some shit. So, yeah, he would he would just roll with whatever's happening. So, and even that aside, if I wrote a line as great as that, I would say character be damned, and I'd put the line in anyway. So maybe that's just what happened. And I'm willing to forgive the Coens for that, honestly. Well, sure. It, it's for me, it was always still goes. It goes back to the the dude takes things as they come but you know as the as the movie goes on he just he can't handle the situation anymore so the line for me would work there for me could go either way I, yeah i'm not sure it could go I'm not either sure. way i kind of think way. they they sold uh, out character at or they they put in a great one liner at the expense of character i, I think I'm, Brad I'm has a f- point here I'm gonna I'm gonna file this as an open question. Okay, you file it. So 
I think as we go on and, and look at this, as the, as the minutes go on, you know, maybe, you know, what I'm going to be doing is just kind of comparing that first line with what we see. Maybe, you know, maybe he is a tough guy in other points in the movie. I'm just not thinking of it now or, or never really processed it the same way because I've never looked at it, you know, this in depth before. So we'll see. We'll see. But it's just something I'm going to say. I'm not going to say, oh, it's it's wrong or they sold out a character yet. I mean, it's definitely raised. I raise my eyebrow at it now. And Maybe, I, but right. I'm going to watch one eyebrow. Cautious. One eyebrow. Yeah, it's one eyebrow. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to I'm going to watch see what happens. You're not jerking your whole head back like whoa. Yeah, I'm not holding my nose. Right. <laughs> I'm not running out of the room screaming. Right. Like the dude might have, depending on his character. Yes. I mean, granted, it's one thing to get your head dumped in the toilet. It's another thing to have a marmot thrown in the bathtub with you. But Nice marmot. He rolls with it, man. Now, he does start screaming like a girl, but if I had a marmot well, slurping around would. around my privates in the bathtub, and, you know, in that condition, what, what condition his condition was in at that point, uh, okay, I'd you be mentioned freaking what out. Condition I know, condition I saw your in. little comment there. I can't believe Did you, you didn't. Know that? Yes, I can't believe you didn't know that. I mean, hey, wait I here. Wait, we have when I posted it, an impartial observer was... here. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I just the communication is kind of breaking sure. down, which is causing some problem here with our little makeshift communication method. So we are talking about Kenny Rogers. Correct. He sings. See what condition? I just checked in. What is it? I just checked, checked in, in to, to see, see what condition, 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 what condition, my condition, my condition, condition is in. Now, I only know that song from The Big Lebowski. Only time I've ever heard that song. I realize I have a weird music-sheltered life. I never heard of, heard of Sticks before I met you guys. <laughs> well, that's so I live some weird alternate music life. So I never knew that song. And okay randomly, I noticed it yesterday, and it was Kenny. I said Kenny Rogers. And I'm like, well, that's not Kenny Rogers. What are they talking about? <laughs> that is a typo. Kenny Rogers. And I YouTube it. Kenny Rogers condition. I even just put like checked in to see what condition. And there he was, Kenny Rogers singing that song. It does blow your mind when you first so, figure that out. Yeah, I'll say exactly. So imagine me, <laughs> thirty-six years old. Know that song from the Big Lebowski? Sounds like some kind of weird stoner. I don't know what it's like. Like it's like stoner. It's a stoner like southern rock anthem. Yeah, some it's weird. Really, it's a really yeah. weird song. It is a weird song. But you know, I grew. I, I it's in Lebowski, and you know, I always groove on that. It's part, psychedelic. That song you, is so perfect. If you watch the video, it's a psychedelic song. Yeah, <laughs> they've got the wavy, and, co- vibrant colors in the background. Right. Yeah. yeah. So just imagine. All right, I realize everyone knows this. I'm late to the game, but just try to imagine it from my point of view, knowing this song from Lebowski for the last 14 years, and then all of a sudden saying, "Oh yeah, that's Kenny Rogers." You probably felt like Jim Carrey in the Truman Show. Yeah. Everything oh, around like, you is a sham, and a like everyone's like holding secrets from you. Exactly. It's just like you have to shut down, go into hibernation, wake up and start over. Reboot you, when you find that you, out, which is what I did. Did you exclaim out loud? I think I did. I believe I did. Did you shriek? I don't know that I would characterize it as a shriek. <laughs> it was probably more of like a woot. 
I would imagine. You, you're more of a wooter than a shrieker. It wasn't a woot. It may have been a whoop. Okay, alright. A woot is a little sharper. Yeah, more of a whoop, I think. I'm not going to let Let's you see. flounder too much, Brad. Uh, I'll say this much. I'd never heard the song before I saw The Big Lebowski for the first time. But once we saw the movie, you know, it, it quickly became a staple at uh, a certain residence that we all know very well. And watching it over and over, I eventually saw in the credits, I would watch just religiously every part of it. So I'd look at every song, and I remember seeing it in the credits and being equally blown away, like, what? Kenny Rogers, are you kidding me? And I had to ask people, because, you know, the internet wasn't what it was or what it is yeah, today. It so I was like asking people, I, you know, asked some older fellas at the bar, and, well, yeah, that's Kenny Rogers. Well, goddamn it, what are you talking about, you stupid kid? So, it's not like I knew it before I saw the movie. I don't know that I did yeah. either, but when I remember when I did find out it was Kenny Rogers and it was his name attached to that song. I don't think I believed it at first. I did not believe it at first either. And I again, I had to seek corroboration in other places. Yeah, but then absolutely. After, after that, then I remember hearing it. I'd hear it once every four months probably on the bus. But you're not a bus kind of person, Bradley. So. Ah, uh, yeah, not really. So I can, I can see you not being aware of it. I mean, I... I was. Around about the time Lebowski came out, I stopped being a bus person. Yeah. Well, you, I made the transition to my own automobile. <laughs> you had probably heard... And decided to destroy the planet. You had probably heard that song, I would say, 24 times in your life. And I had probably heard it 50 times in my life. I had zero recollection of it. You mean outside of outside, before the movie, the, of course. Before the movie was yes. released. Yes. No, I could believe that. But it was just background, background noise. It didn't really noise. register. Right. White noise. Now when it pops up, it's like, it's like hey, yeah, it's that there song. we go. Let's turn this up. Let's rock with yeah, Kenny Rogers. Let's jam yeah. out to some Kenny. Kenny's on. Chesney? No, it's, Rogers. It's part of the Kenny Rogers Roasters experience. <laughs> As you go to the you go to the deluxe one, and you know it's like it's kind of it's a whole experience. You go into like the foyer, and that music starts <laughs> blasting. Yeah, you know, there's like a beaded yeah. curtain, and like the oh, yeah. open it up. <laughs> That's the stuff right there. They got the yes. lights, disco balls, psychedelic patterns on the walls. But they that's do. we're not even at that point. We're not at that point, but I just had to throw that in there. But I can't wait to get to that point, I, to get to that song. I really... And it's probably going to be, thinking about it now, like several episodes we're going to have to talk about that song, which is just awesome. There's a lot, because think about the connect... I mean, I don't, yeah. I, let's not even start on that. Let's not start there. Let's, okay, let's bring it back to this minute. Let's bring it back to this back minute. Back to this minute. We're, at, uh, we're eight seconds in. So, now, I thought it... I thought it was good to have an interior designer on the show. If you look in the background now, the um, does anybody know the name of this blonde fella? Do we ever learn his name? I don't remember later on if we do or not. Oh, I can't remember. I don't. I, I don't remember his name. 
the blonde no. fella, I guess no. we're calling it. If you look behind him, you can see when he <laughs> shoves him into the head a single bare light bulb. Hanging by a single stiff wire. Right, a single a stiff wire. It's not a loose wire, it's stiff. Like it, it juts out at sort of a right angle almost. It doesn't come straight down. So is that, like is that, you know how sometimes those ceiling mounts, they'll come down and then they'll have two standard bulb um, sockets. Uh, sockets, yes, thank you. Pointing out parallel to the ceiling. But this doesn't look like that. This looks like a stiff, like, 10 gauge or whatever that thick wire is sticking out and then stiffly to the side. Anyone care to comment? Well, the dude I don't think would care about light fixtures and light coverings, so. Definitely not, but this kind of takes it to a new level because that I mean, if you look at it, it is just hanging. Okay, it's not at a right angle, but it's definitely like at one angle and then coming back the other way. And if you go to 421. It's uh, a Lynchian light is what it is. It is a Lynchian light. It's like, almost like you had, to, you had to pull it down more than it would have naturally been pulled down. And how did, how and why did that happen? Because the dude would never care about this fixture. Like I'd imagine he'd just leave it off rather than get a ladder, go up there and like mess with it. Maybe the previous tenant. I think if you look something. at the, the mount on the ceiling, I believe that that light was once a two-light fixture, but it looks like somebody tried to hang from the bulb and pull the wire out of the mount. If you look at, if you take a still at five or no, four like four twenty one. No, it's like four. I'm looking at it now, and it's past four twenty one. The wire is actually protruding from the mount in the ceiling. There's no way that that. If you look to the left of the wire, it looks like there picture. used to be another wire. There's, there's another hole where there would Boy. be a wire. I see so what you mean there. It's definitely a two-socket light with the left side socket broken and pulled out, and the right side socket has the wire pulled out from the fixture. Or maybe I see the, on the left there's two holes there, but maybe that was some sort of bracket where the bulb would fit into, but the bracket has fallen away because someone was messing with it. So that's, and then someone tried to fixing it or hang, swinging from it, who knows, pulled it out more, like you were saying. And I like that you can see the empty shower curtain rod to the left in that yes. shot. Right, he's got one of the classic 90 degree Yes, classic mounted on the wall, bent at the 90 degree angle, bent at another 90 degree angle, reconnected to the wall. But you can't see the shower curtain, but I think we determined that there is a shower curtain there. Yeah, if you, there's a shot where he's being dunked, his head is being dunked, I think, or maybe when he's resting 
next to the toilet where you can see in the corner of the frame the um, clear plastic shower curtain. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, though, this sort of, and David, you could answer this probably, but this sort of shower curtain, shouldn't that have some sort of support at the elbow? Like a wire going up to the ceiling or no. something? No. Those types just... of shower curtains do not have a support because you have to be able to slide the shower curtain right. all the okay. way around right. that piece of metal. So that just hang like that's just there. Can't be very sturdy. No. The dude probably pulled the shower curtain off of that. It's probably been remounted, it looks like to me. Hmm. I would guess. And wh what do you think about this uh, wallpaper that we have in the crown molding? To me, it's typical dirty late it, 50s, early 60s LA apartment wallpaper. Okay. So you think this is late 50s, early 60s? This is uh, a period piece. This is 1990. So this is it's been 30 years probably since this has it's been. It's a double period piece, yes. <laughs> you, so you're just talking about the wallpaper at this point, right? You mentioned the crown molding, but <clears throat> the crown molding is nondescript, but you can see the wallpaper. Yeah. yeah, the wallpaper, especially if you go to the shots with, with the dude. I mean, it's much closer. You can make out it's like little balloons or something. Is it or, I thought it was it, roses. Yeah, it looks like roses to me. Yeah. Roses? No. They don't look like roses to me. They're like weird things. I don't know. I maybe, mean, maybe they're, Adam, you have the Blu-ray, correct? They're bubbles. You can see it closer. Those are oh, bubbles. Wait. Like yeah. you're having a bubble bath. You bubble know, you're bath. You're in the bathroom. They're bubbles. And these then, are, yeah. These are at, bubbles. Well, well, yeah. If It cuts to the shot of the dude kind of lying there on the floor, the toilet to the right with the dirty seat. And you can see the plunger laying down. Yes, and I do want to point out that, and I'm curious now, I'm, I want to go back and check this out, but we talked about the toilet scrubbers last episode, Brad. Yeah. Yes, yes we did. So he's got two of them, and at great length we discussed reasons behind that, but what we didn't notice, and maybe it wasn't in the shot, but on the right, plunger it's it's lying down on the floor so when you pick that up you know that it's been on the floor in this filthy bathroom do you see it you mostly just see the wooden handle but you it's can see the, the black user. of the rubber see a little black of the rubber there it's to the right of the toilet oh yeah I see the handle well, Oh, I see it on the side. Yeah, well, right. Yep. Yeah, there it is. You're right. And Plunger. now, did that get knocked over in the chaos, or I, I kind of think it was just laying there from the last time he had a major deposit, and it just, uh, just put it there. We'd have to go back. I only have this minute queued up, so I can't. And I just want to say, I'm just locked in again. What a fantastic job, whoever dirtied up this toilet seat did because damn that is a nasty toilet seat and interior yeah, of the, the toilet bowl the whole thing is nasty it's so disgusting well the whole thing the like pink toilet Ugh. with the weird bubbly wallpaper but it's all dirty it's classic yeah. late 50s Just early 60s home <laughs> decor i'm telling you but it ain't right. the late 50s early 60s anymore but man. they you but know? they distress. There's something about it, right? What was once this cheery, bright, new age, futuristic 
bathroom, now all gross and disgusting and aged. I'm going to... It's just depressing. Once again, it just makes me contemplate my own mortality. I'm going to point out my own shortcomings in examining the scene, because I've been looking at it for two episodes now, but what I thought was a baseboard heater I'm looking at now is actually, you both probably realize this, but it's actually tile along the base with a black bullnose attached oh, it to is. the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I I've had that same thing where like I've sometimes I watch it and I think it's a heater and then other times I'm watching it and I oh wait no it's not yeah that's yeah that's tile because it's a it's a it's a splash guard right so you can mop in there you can mop you can hose the floor look how thick it is though it's so thick it's very thick when this they didn't make they didn't make it thin back then no no there was no thin. That, right? I mean, no. I don't know. I'm guessing. You know, again, late 50s, early 60s and style. Not, not that it matters to the dude, but, you know, this would have sucked for him because if you look at where the toilet paper roll is, it's completely soaked in half and half now. Fortunately, he didn't have a full roll on there. There's nothing on there. He's got the roll... On the top of the toilet, on the well, back of the toilet. Well, he's got a scrap on the roll hanging. Just, a, on the, I mean, you yeah. could use that in a pinch. Well, <laughs> literally exactly. a pinch, but not anymore. You have it's it's he it's kind it of like the conundrum. Probably. I've been in that situation. It's like there's a scrap there, so I'm not going to take it off, but I'm not going to use it either. I can't really use that for anything, so I'll just put the roll on the top, and then you're just stuck there. It's like a flaw in the rules of the universe that sometimes you can get stuck in. Yeah, but. I'm just I'm looking at that and if you're careful you can almost use that for certain things. I'm just going to throw that out there. You can almost use that much. Now if it was half that much, no, sure. You just you get rid of that. But I had some oh, friends all the growing more up reason you might leave it there. Yeah, exactly. Their mothers may but have But you kept... can't use it for everything. So it's going to stay there for a while. <laughs> right, not for, it's only in very specific situations. But if you now, and like I was saying, I had some friends growing up whose mothers may or may not have collected rolls of toilet paper exactly like that. And if you got enough of them, you could put them together and you could, in theory, use them for whatever issue might be at hand. Well. But you would need to accumulate 15, 20, 25 of these things. And they were there. I saw them. And then you would have to sew them together. No, you can just crumple them together. Crumple them you together. You crumple yeah. them. and it <laughs> Take handfuls. Yeah, and crumpler. you crumple them, and it makes a ball with... But then it's nice because there's many angles of attack. So Now, if you found yourself, you know, or if the dude found himself in an extreme situation in his restroom... Don't say the brushes. You no. Know, Okay. You could use that small scrap of toilet paper to wipe the inevitable sweat beads that accumulate on the upper lip after an extreme situation. <laughs> so you wouldn't have to save 15 or 20. There is a use for that scrap okay, of toilet I paper. Okay, see. I see what you're saying. Or, it's okay. You know, maybe you got a bug hanging and your hands aren't in any shape to do anything. So you can... Yeah, sure. There, there's many reasons to keep that there. You don't want to go throwing it away, is the no. and the roll is there. Let's if we're just gonna say it, let's just say it. The actual tube 
the tube, the cardboard tube is there also. And it also has milk and <gasps> toilet water splashed. But the milk dries. The they, it all dries. It all gets dried out eventually. I just, there are reasons. They become fewer and fewer, but there are reasons to keep it there, I would say. But regardless, that is a pink tile surround along the bottom with a black bull nose. You are correct. And the bubble wallpaper now has toilet water and half and half Correct. spewed all over it. Just add it to the another layer of filth in the 30 years of abuse this once cheery bathroom has seen. Ever thus the deadbeats. <laughs> Thank you. Let me hear that again. Ever thus the deadbeats. And if Ever thus two deadbeats. Hold on. Sorry to be so particular. Ever oh, thus yeah. to deadbeats. Let me hear it again. Also, now, maybe this is a case of the art director getting a little too zealous, but there is filth on the outside rim of the toilet. They were like, we want a toilet that is filthy, but that kind of, that kind of filth doesn't happen on the outside of the toilet generally on the upper rim like that because your legs are wandering around there brushing here and there it's like this never has that much stillness never has a month of stillness to like just collect there you see what i'm saying the brownness on the outside of the rim the outside yeah i know what you're saying i don't know us. i think that could happen but what do i really know i can't i've been around some pretty nasty toilets in my time. I just want to say this. More than one time. In different locations, geographically and economically. And never once, even though I, arguably we had the dirtiest toilet in the county, which would place us high on dirtiest toilet statewide, it never got like that. Now the dude's on a different level, I guess. He is. This will like this is like a. So whereas I'm county and state, he's city and world. Right. He's in. Well, like just like everything else in this bathroom, it's going on like thirty years, right? Man, he's probably never cleaned it. I mean, he probably hasn't lived there for thirty years, but he could have got there, and the toilet could have been dirty. He could have got there and just simply. I mean, just simply with age. You can just keep cleaning the thing, but it doesn't matter. Eventually, it just it's just too old. You know what I mean? It just, it just accumulates. I do. I don't want to know what you mean, but I do. But know you what do you mean. know. Yeah. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna listen to this fine gentleman say these lines. I think ever thus to deadbeats, Lebowski. He was probably thinking about that line. You know, I know what I'm going to do. That's going to really throw him for one. Ever thus to deadbeats, Lebowski. Now he... Now this... No, 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 don't do that. Like, see, there's kind of like the dude, right? But again, where we said before, getting the rug, he's hitting him. That is where it really where hurts. Where it really hurts. That's below the belt. That's his one... Th now, this rug... Because you know why? Because he's going to have to fucking clean it. Or, or throw it away. <laughs> like, it's making work for him. It's going against his laziness. Like, even he probably can't just hang out in a urine-soaked rug room. 
He abides, but he doesn't abide in filth. I, yes, okay. I think you're getting to the heart of it there because that is afflicting his, or confronting directly his laziness. Because he will have to put work in now. Because he likes to lay on that and listen to championship bowling rounds. He can't lay in some other man's no. urine. Yeah. That ain't ever going to happen. Yeah, no. I, I mean, think he can right. go you right up to, the, to a line, but he can't cross that line. Past this line, you do not. And, dude, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. See, there's a line. Just, I just want to point out, you, there's a line for everything. M most of my is. dialogue is filled with... <clears throat> The big Lebe I could just carry on you could conversations just communicate for weeks. Only using only quotes from the Big Lebowski. That's all you would need. Most well, I think that certainly. was the point of the movie. It's like let's yeah, let's have every line be awesome, and it could constitute somebody's entire vocabulary for their life. So so but, this you know brings up a question that I've also been wondering lately: is when they made this movie, like when they wrote it. And then when they started shooting it, did they realize they were making something this awesome? Or was it kind of like it all came together? They did realize the that they were making something this awesome. But I'll qualify that by saying probably every time they make a movie, they're thinking, this movie is awesome. This one just happened to be awesome. Like more awesome than normal. Because yeah. the Coens I mean, like, are awesome, but obviously, I would say like Jeff Bridges didn't realize this is the movie that may more than any other, right? This may be the role that defines his career. No, I don't think so. I think he was like, oh yeah, Fargo, Miller's Crossing, yeah, those dudes are cool. Raising Arizona, love them. I'll do it. This seems all right. It's a little weird, but yeah, I'll do it. That's probably what he was like. Or maybe every actor reads the script and thinks it is a role of a lifetime. Otherwise, why the hell would they do it? Unless they're just looking for a paycheck. But he wasn't, he's not Judd Nelson at this point. He's Jeff Bridges, you know? He can right. pick and choose to a degree. Well, I think so they can pick and choose and they pick the best movies. But I think there's also a question of being like, you know, this is obviously transcendent on multiple levels. And I just wonder, you know... Until they got this in. And, you know, how much... I, I I don't know. I just wonder how much, you know, came together in the editing and how much came together on the set with the acting that all just punched this thing over the top versus, you know, okay, here's what we've done. Here's what we've created. Yeah, it strikes to the core of the filmmaking process because it is... Again, it's this paradox, but it is the ultimate collaborative experience. You have to have an amazing writer, amazing director, amazing cinematographer, amazing editor, all of that to come together to have a transcendent film. But you can overcome shortcomings in one or maybe two of those categories and still have a pretty good film. So yeah, did everything just kind of come together like the perfect storm? Or yeah, I don't know. I mean, to some degree, I think any movie things have to come. You know, at some point that has to happen, right? Pre-planning, having a great script, and great artists to work on it are all one thing. But then really, you know, I think at the same time, part of it is, of course, stars aligning, but, right? But maybe it's just that this script was, 
you know, 20 times better than any script they'd ever written. So you could get away with, I, I could have shot this movie and it still would have been pretty good. You know, I don't know. Maybe the writing so, is that yeah. effing well, good. Well, I guess here's one way I wonder, right? Here, here would be a test that I don't know how you could actually do this, but, you know, if you looked at the script for this movie and read it, uh-huh. would you picture something as awesome as this movie in your head as you were reading it? Well, or would it just be like, huh, that was kind of a weird, rambling story, it's kind of fun, stoner guy, okay. That's a good one. No, I, I wouldn't picture this movie at all. I don't, I don't think. It's, I mean, it's too late now, but I don't think so. Right. I remember yeah. I, I read maybe 2003 or something, 02, I don't know. I was in a big uh, script writing or script reading, screenplay reading phase, and I read an excerpt from, I want to say, Intolerable Cruelty. And it was the okay. first, it was before, I think before they had even written the whole thing, it was before the movie was out. But it was that very first scene, I want to say it's Jeffrey Rush, and he gets shot in the ass by his wife or something. And I remember reading that and thinking, boy, Cohen's really lost it. They just don't have it anymore. This is just a bunch of, a lot of curse words and a lot of rambling nonsense. It's just stupid. That's too bad. This movie's gonna suck. But that movie's actually pretty good. And that scene in particular, I still remember. When I saw it, it was like, that was hilarious. So maybe, maybe the writing's not that great. But I find myself quoting it every day. Or maybe it's a question day. of, you know, writing can't convey the whole thing. I think sometimes when you see it on paper, yeah, you can't put put the visuals, you know, the visual, the audible, you can't put it all together, you know. That's the magic of film, because when you put everything together, you know, magic happens, and yeah. that's where it is. It's greater than yeah. the sum or of its again, parts. Again, maybe, you know, if you're a really experienced screen you're a really experienced reader of screenplays or a filmmaker, yeah, right? You'll get so it. So like the Coen brothers could read... Let's say I handed them a screenplay for something, right? Written by a great screenwriter. They could read that and be like, oh, I totally know like how I would make this and this would be awesome. Which might be different how another filmmaker might even read it. But, you know, someone like me, I would read it and just be like, this, uh, this is just a bunch of disjointed <laughs> right. words and dialogue. Like, I can't even make sense of how this is a movie. Right? Because I don't have that talent. I don't have... I haven't practiced that skill at all. There's two things I want to talk about in the mise-en-scene. Now, I'm at 432, and we are looking at Wu. He's standing on the rug. We are seeing him from the bathroom. His back is to us. He is about to begin to rating on this rug. There's two things I want to point out. Number one, there is this false archway in the door the front door towards the top as a solid but there's a, it's a, like a decorative element right number two is there's this this like giant thread coming off of the carpet bottom of the screen right in the center huge like runner of of carpet like coming off of a giant chunk of the rug coming off of that the archway 
What is it there for? Was it at one time a piece of glass that somebody used to break in because he's living in LA and it's sh shitty, whatever, and they had to cover it with something solid? And then the piece of thread, that usually happens with like a cat or some kind of animal that scratches at it and brings it out. How, this is the dude's prized possession. How did that happen? Thoughts? Well, the false archway, I think when you look at architecture that is decades and decades old, things are built on top of previous things. So to me, when you look at that archway, and then you see the wall and the archway, looks like a false archway, extending out from the wall, I think you're seeing architecture, newer architecture built on top of older architecture. Hmm. To me, that's what that looks like. Interesting. Where if you were to go, let's say, into an old theater and peel back some of the, you know, wall, you would find brick. Hmm. Behind the brick, you might find something yet even older that was once part of the architecture, something you would actually see. But as, you know, years go by, you build with a new style, a new visual style. You, you know, and seeing something of that like that here. Entire cities, the, the appearance of entire cities hinge on that very principle. Um, you know, you go to New York in the 1950s and you go to a particular street, a particular intersection, you look across at the buildings, okay? Take a snapshot even. Uh, you go back 50 years later and you take a snapshot of the very same street and it could be the exact same buildings, and we're talking exteriors now, but you might not even recognize it. Right. There's facades, there's signs, there's different elements, like you said, built on top of it. I wonder. It's kind of a layering effect, you know, over the, the years. But have they really put that much effort into updating this? Like, that would require updating. This, you could be looking at a 30-year-old update to what was <laughs> once a 30-year-old original building. Touché. Now, what about the rug, though? How does that little, little bit of rug get ripped off of there? Well, I think the dude shuffles a lot. So it's not a far stretch to think he shuffled across that. That's, that's right in the entryway, you know? So the dude shuffles a lot. Eventually that corner, that edge of the rug is going to become frayed. He shuffles across that. The more he like, shuffles, the I more it becomes frayed. I would have snipped it off or like tucked it underneath or something. Not the dude. But if he lays, yeah, definitely not the but dude. He lays not the dude. there, that's, where, that's his prized possession. But we're talking about dude level. Yeah. Right. I mean, and it's not... I mean... Bowling, right? It's not bowling. Okay. Okay. And if a cat did do that, let's say, let's say we we try to determine, oh, a cat must, be, you know, it's consistent with a cat. I mean, I, I like the shuffle theory personally, but this—that's like you know, a sharp, the dude could have acquired this rug from a cat person because he certainly didn't buy this rug new. No, no. At least in my estimation, there's I'll no give way. you that. Maybe he bought it from a cat person because this is clearly like a very like, there's a point at which a thread gets ripped out. This isn't like, 
a generally frayed area as it would be if you came shuffling across it. This is a point at which whoop, some some thread came ripping but remember, out. remember, they also grabbed the dude and forced him through the doorway. And you can see to the left of that archway where they blasted through the doorway, yes, I think. there's the broken pieces. Shreds there, and shards of wood, but... I don't think that applies to the rug. It could. I'll buy the previous owner uh, theory because, and this this is something else I wanted to address, the financial implications of Wu iterating upon this rug is that these rugs are not cheap. Even a quote-unquote cheap rug like this, even used, it's going to be pretty expensive. It's got the little tassels on the end. It's not real thick, but it looks like decent quality. It's got a nice pattern. Hundreds of dollars, probably. Yeah, easily 150 Originally. No, originally thousands of dollars. This was... I, now... Oh, maybe. I, we... So I moved to Maryland, Rockville, Maryland at one point in my lifetime. And we had an apartment and I said, oh, we need a rug for this apartment. I'm going to go, let's go get a rug, okay. So my wife and I went to, oh, here's a rug store going out of business. Everything 40 to 70% off. We went in the rug store, not, you know, fairly nondescript rug store. They just sell carpets and rugs. Let's find a throw rug, like an eight by 12, whatever, six by 12, just a rug for the middle of our room. Everything's 40 to 70% off. We found a rug, 60% off. We turned the price tag over, $40,000 was the price tag on the rug. What? Forty thousand dollars was the sixty percent off price of this eight by twelve rug. I believe they made a mistake. They did not. As we looked around the store, everything was in the tens of thousands of dollars price range. They were clearly of better quality than this rug, but who, but the dude doesn't take good care of his possessions, so who knows what that rug looked like when well, it was first purchased. Yeah. But a rug like this, if it's a decent rug, thousands of dollars. New. Used, hundreds. It's not $20, I'm sorry. Oh, I know it's not that. This isn't something you buy at Home Depot when you're moving into your college apartment. Well, you can, though. You can buy cheap versions of these. And even the cheap versions are $80. No, yeah, no, without a doubt, right. yes. I mean, Ollie's good stuff cheap. But this is his... Has rugs like this. this and, but that... What do you call a rug like this? It's a throw rug? Area rug? No, it's like... Oh. Persian? Well, yeah. yeah. Persian, Persian rug. Persian sure. rug, but... Those are the forty thousand dollars. It would versions. be an area rug. This what probably the dude isn't. has is an area rug. Yeah, this probably. Well, I'm is thinking about Persian that rug. style, right, with the pattern yeah. and the fringes on the side. Right. I guess it's a Persian. I don't know. Persian. That would have been some research we could Persian, have done if yeah. we actually cared. But um, yeah, I don't. I'm saying that that informs us as to the dude's, you know, obsession with this rug. It probably is an expensive piece of his. 
right. possession. I don't know. It's an expensive possession. Well, I mean, I'm looking right now. He can't get another one of those. He wouldn't be able to do it. Well, that's all he's got. I mean, it's hard to say, right, without looking at it closer. I mean, I'm looking online right now, and you can get rugs like that. I'm sure they're nowhere near as good as the $40,000 one, but you can find rugs like that. For how much? In Walmart. For like a hundred and nine dollars, hundred and sixty-four dollars. Okay, maybe a hundred sixty-four, so, I mean, but that's yeah, maybe. Ali's definitely has them, but the but dude's not finding a Walmart in Venezia or Mendocino, wherever right. the f he is. He's not finding a Walmart around there in nineteen ninety. Yeah, well, what I think is interesting is this was probably I'm gonna just guess. You know, it's it's a cheap. Knockoff kind of rug. It's not in the. It's, I don't think it was ever the thousand dollar kind of rug. Probably. I don't know, but I'm just going to guess that. What What is funny is later when he does take the rug from the Big Lebowski. Now that's a forty thousand dollar rug. He takes the forty thousand dollar rug to like replace his forty dollar. That's rug. fair compensation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all rugs. <laughs> it's all rugs. So one thing I'll mention. Of you know I. Back when you mentioned the, the blonde guy, does he have a name? I did uh, look. Can you help us out there? Well, I looked him up on IMDb, and just I just still have this window open, so I thought I'd go back to that at this point. Does he have a name? He's referred to in IMDb as the blonde tree horn thug. See there that? He doesn't have a name. All right. I don't feel so bad then. We were referring to him as blonde thug, so that's not bad. We are slowly becoming professionals in the Big Lebowski. Ever so slowly. Let me ask a question here. And this is sort of a, maybe a special effects question. So when Wu starts miterating, is he actually miterating? Or does he got a little hose there? A little hose, a little pouch. There's gotta be a hose with a pouch. I would think a, little... a hose with a pouch, yes. Right? He's not actually. Right. He's probably he, there's probably a pouch on his left side because they do cut away to the dude, so they you know reestablish Wu in his position. And I'm what sure if they have to shoot it. Those. What if they have to shoot it twice? Right. Know? He's not gonna be able to pee. So oh, let's wait two hours, drink a lot of water. Got to be a pouch with a hose. Yeah, definitely a pouch. They're not going to subject the crew to the <laughs> crude urination like that. Well, you well then you probably have to get into like you know laws governing like biological waste or something. Correct. You, know, you have people to, clean to handle it. that and yeah. clean up. You just right. don't want that. You know what? That's just an extra headache and expense you don't need. So, you know, I'm just going to go back to this whole uh, blonde tree horde and thug. IMDb does have a character biography for him. Stop. Which I'm guessing, you know, which this, this is where you get into the Lebowski Extended or? Universe. This is actually oh, my geez. first foray into the Lebowski Extended Universe. Uh, aren't it we foraying right thug. now? Blonde Thug was born Artemis Jordan, named after a character from the old Wild Wild West TV show Artemis Gordon in Biloxi, Mississippi. He had a troubled childhood, including the death of his father and his mother's being sentenced to life in prison for killing said father. He ran away from the orphanage and ended up in Hollywood, getting a job as a stand-in for TV's Doogie Howser. When that show <laughs> ended, he found himself working for Jackie Treehorn, thus started his, quote, thug life, end quote. I want to point out two things. The one is, 
the Wild Wild West. That ties back into the Lebowski universe in that we have the stranger doing his voiceover at the beginning and True. meeting Larry Sellers' father who wrote most of the second season in addition to the first season of Branded. Yes, the bulk of the series. bulk of the series. Correct. Now, but that's just some random fan's interpretation, right? God knows we don't listen to yeah, those. Yeah, it's extended universe. It's non-canon. But, you know, I'm surprised. You know, it's just, again, a testament to the power of Lebowski that there even is an extended universe. So what does blonde treehorn thug say as Wu is beginning to urinate on the carpet? You see what happens, Lebowski? But that when he says uh-huh. when he says that, it's even more precious when you look at when it cuts back to Wu, he's looking back over his shoulder at Lebowski like, Oh yeah, you see? This is going to happen now. That's what his look says. It's great. This is what's going to happen now. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the reaction of the blonde thug though, I think is even better. He's so like, Huh, you see? See what happens? See what happens? <laughs> I Do you it. think that him urinating the stream of urine is CG? No, it's not CG. I don't think so. I don't think so. So he says, "Do you see a ring on this finger?" He's holding up the wrong hand. Right. Well, yeah, he wouldn't. That's know. how much he doesn't even know. That's how much he doesn't even know. Yep. Well, and you can see he's got his thumb sort of curled under, you know, pointing at. Look, look over there. Look. There's no ring there. I'm using my thumb to point there. How do you point to your to your ring finger when you're holding up one hand? Your thumb. It's your only option. It's what separates us from the apes, man. So here's something that's always bugged me: is that okay? So these two thugs, you know, low rent thugs, show up at who break into the dude's house. They're there, and they, like, beat him up and shove his head in the toilet and pee on his rug. It's very lowbrow thuggery here. But this is a case of mistaken identity, so riddle me this. What happens in the alternate universe where the blonde thug and Wu show up at Jeffrey Lebowski's, the big Lebowski's house, that's this mansion? Do they break in and, like take this disabled man and throw his head in the toilet? Do they, do they employ the same tack that they do here? I mean, it's something that's always like, I, I, shouldn't they have done a little more homework? Like, they, they think he's a millionaire, and that, but he sends these, these you know, low-rent thugs. I never, I always didn't sit quite Well, who right. knows what happened in the alternate universe? They got to the house and realized, like, there was no way to get in. Like, they wouldn't open the gate. I mean, I know why they do it. If the two blonde, or the blonde thug and Wu yeah. go to the Big Lebowski's house at the beginning of this movie, it's like, there's a guard house, there's the fence outside. They can't get in. And then, uh, you know, Wu just pees in the bushes and then, it, like, roll credits. Wu's like, man, I've been holding this all day. Pees in the bushes, done. So I get why they did it. But yeah, it's a good question. It's really hard for me to visualize. And again, this goes back to my lack of imagination. But yeah, it really, it's really hard for me to visualize Blonde Thug and Wu 
going into Jeffrey Lebowski's estate. It's like, you know, the guard, guard in the guardhouse or something. It's like, yo, go away. And then they just go away. I mean, what do you got for me here? What I, do you got? Anything? I don't know that I have anything for that. It's really, you know, it's something I think, again, we can maybe examine more when we when we when we look at uh Jeffrey Lebowski's estate in detail but yeah it, it yeah you're right it it does seem kind of odd to send these kind of two bit thugs like do, do, doesn't uh, you know upper class millionaire types don't they have like other type of upper class millionaire thugs to send yeah, after they have, them they have better better thugs you know they're they're well dressed they wear suits their hair is nicely quaffed they they speak polite language they they use very vague like an implied threat you know they they don't directly say anything too threatening that could be held against them in a court of law and you know the truly sad part about this scene is that the half and half's been spilled everywhere and now the dude's got to go back to ralph's you know, buy another half and half. Right, right. I don't know. Does he have to cancel the first one? Can he do that? I, I don't know. Has to write it. another one of his blue whale checks. Only didn't open it. it. Wasn't so discerning. I mean, it's hard to say. The whole thing could have just exploded anyway. Probably not, though. Now, let me run this past you. What if when... Blonde Treehorn Thug was ramming him through the doorway as he gets into the bathroom. What if the seat was down? I don't know. Could they put his head through 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 the seat? Like his shoulders would hit it and he wouldn't be hitting the water. True, true. Well what if the whole lid was down? Well that's what I mean. Like it would have been an entirely different sort of threatening situation. Like, the blonde thug would have had to stop, open the lid, then dunk him in. It would have lost all that momentum. Well, maybe when he, you know, when blonde treehorn thug grabbed the dude, he was just, like, running him in the bathroom. He didn't necessarily know he was going to put him his head in the toilet until he got there. He was like, oh, there it is. Otherwise, he just would have maybe, like, started smashing his head onto the, the seat or something otherwise, or into the wall. So actually, maybe he's saving himself. He's like, I need a soft place to land in here in case a thud runs me in here. I'm going to leave the seat up. And I will say this. The towels, they they match the decor of the room. You got the bubbles and the you know the whole theme going on there. It, it's a pretty good job. He does like rooms to be tied together. And then there's there's the air freshener. It's, you know, one of those, it um, it has the top and then the the shallow base, and then you, it clicks open, click, 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 and the bigger and bigger space kind of narrows towards the top, and inside is like this this gel-like fragrant gel I know exactly the air freshener you're talking about. And then, yeah, you click it open, but more... All the rage in the, to inundate the United room. States, possibly the world. And then behind him on the toilet is something. I don't know what that is. What is that? 
I'm I'm with the little like candle of Jesus kind of thing. Okay, it is. I see it now more, much more clearly. It is a round glass jar with a candle in it, and it kind of has a weird pattern, like like it has like you know kind of like a label, like a square label on it that shows like some kind of like floral scene. And now yes. in the next minute, it's there is a line, more than one. There's a couple golden moments there, a couple of gems. Gem per minute ratio is pretty high, but um, there's a line coming up that is good and probably might be irksome to you, given your um, lack of belief or what have you in the dude's uh, wit in these yes, situations. Yes, and I believe I know what line you're going to say, but again... It couples with the whole. Uh, let me. Ch- it's in there somewhere. Let me look again. Kind of like. Maybe it's like too clever for him. Contrast it, and it could just be also his level of sobriety, right? For some reason, he's not stoned out of his mind here. Like, or he hasn't started his like you know regimen of uh, drugs to stay mentally lib- limber or whatever. Like, I mean, consider him talking to Julian Moore. Moore's character, Maud Lebowski, like, you know, consider his his behavior there. Uh, vagina? Johnson? If you want to be, in my mind, Jeffrey Lebowski, the dude, at his height, is you simply repeat the last word of whatever anyone said to you, but just make it a question. And just keep doing that. And it's just beautiful. Or, if you're feeling really swanky, it's like you hear the word and then you save it. You save it up. And then right. a few instances or a few minutes later, you then you use it. Then you do it, yes. You know, it could be several situations down the road. You might be with a diff- completely different person in a different environment. It might be days or weeks later. And then, yep. boom, you, you bring it out. Johnson, you whip it out. Or, you know, this aggression will not stand, man. You just whip it out at random times. You see what happens? You see what happens? Well. All right. Bradley, you want to call it? Let's call it. Poop deck. Ping. All right, poop deck. Next time on Gutter Balls. What the fuck is this? Obviously, you're not a golfer. Drip, drip. Every time you see him, you cut back. Drip, drip.